Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey everybody, Merry Christmas Eve. Uh, Christmas is here, one more sleep. So I hear Santa is uh, making his, uh, hang on one second, push my buttons. I hear Santa is uh, making his way. I was up when he left the North Pole. So anyway, welcome everybody. This is our special Christmas show. No paranormal here today. In fact, you know what I did? Hang on a second. Let me do this. Put my headset on backwards. That's how my day is going. Okay. Anyway, welcome. Make an adjustment here. I decided to do something different today with the show. Let me put this up a little bit. I decided to do something different today with the show. Um, I always liked, Fra- you know, when Frazier was supposed to be in his uh, radio sh- show for that Christmas party that they always had. He was always going to read the story of the uh, lonely little goat herder uh, in Bethlehem, I think. But he never got around to it. So I kind of wanted to do this last year and never did it, obviously, because it just didn't work out. You know, this other studio that we had and everything. So this year I decided that I was going to read some poems, some famous poems, things you've heard. And one that you may not have heard. Let me tighten this up here as I adjust. And uh, about the Christmas cat, a different Christmas cat poem. So the lineup for tonight, for anybody that's interested, is we're going to be reading um, Yes, Virginia, There's a Santa Claus. Then we're going to go ahead and read, um, excuse me, the Polar Express. And then we're going to go ahead and read the poem of the, of the first Christmas cat. And then we're going to end with the night before Christmas. So grab your popcorn, grab your hot cocoa or whatever it is you're doing. And I, I know you guys are busy with your families. So maybe, who knows, maybe you just have me on your TV or you just got me on you know, on your computer and you're just listening, it's fine with me, you know, how, whatever suits you, because I know, I know everyone's busy with family and stuff tonight, so I just wanted to do this, and uh, maybe you guys can play this back later on and watch it, you know, whatever else, see, I've even got my, um, I don't know if you can see my blinkies, my, uh, my hat blinks, or not, I think because the headphones are covering it. Anyway, let me get started here, and I'm a journalist, you know, some of you may not know this or realize this, but I am a journalist, photojournalist, and uh, the first year I was working in the pla- at the Placerville paper up here, up the, up the hill, they had these letters to Santa from children that, that came into the paper that we were allowed to answer, and uh, a lot of these letters were really sweet, really, really neat letters where these kids were looking out for stuff for their mom and dad and things like that. You know, there's a lot of kids that are unselfish out there, you know, they wanted to help their sisters and brothers and stuff, and it really impressed me. So when I got to thinking about what I wanted to read today uh, in honor of Christmas, the first thing that popped in my head was the S. Virginia letter. Okay. So I'll start with some background on that, and then I'll go ahead and get into reading it. And if I have to, like, squint a little bit, <laughs> I have to squint a little bit because it's, it's, it's on my tablet, but it's not, like, on my tablet. Does that make sense? Okay. Eight-year-old Virginia O'Hanlon wrote a letter to the editor of the New York Sun. 
and the quick response was printed as an unsigned editorial, September 21st, 1897. The work of veteran newsman Francis Farsilius Church has since become history's most reprinted newspaper editorial, appearing in part or whole in dozens of languages and books, movies and other editorials, and on posters and stamps. Editorial. Dear Editor, I am eight years old. Some of my little friends say there is no Santa Claus. Papa says, if you see it in the sun, it's so. Please tell me the truth. Is there a Santa Claus? Virginia O'Hanlon, 115 West 95th Street. Virginia. Your little friends are wrong. They have been affected by the skepticism of a skeptical age. They do not believe except they see. They think that nothing but you can, nothing can be which is not comprehensible by their little minds. All minds, Virginia, whether they be men's or children's, are little. In this great universe of ours, man is a mere insect, an ant, and his intellect, as compared with the boundless world about him, as measured by the intelligence capable of grasping the whole truth and knowledge. Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. He exists as certainly as love and generosity and devotion exist. And you know that they abound and give to your life its highest beauty and joy. Alas, how dreary would be the world if there were no Santa Claus. It would be as dreary as if there were no Virginias. There would be no childlike faith then, no poetry, no romance to make tolerable this existence. We should have no enjoyment except in sense and sight. The eternal light with which childhood fills the world would be extinguished. Not believe in Santa Claus. You might as well not believe in fairies. You might get your papa to hire men to watch all the chimneys on Christmas Eve to catch Santa Claus. But even if they did not see Santa Claus coming down, what would that prove? Nobody sees Santa Claus, but that is no sign that there is no Santa Claus. The most real things in the world are those that neither children nor men can see. Did you ever see fairies dancing on the lawn? Of course not. But that's not proof that they are not there. Nobody can conceive or imagine all the wonders there are unseen and unseeable in the world. You may tear apart the baby's rattle and see what makes the noise inside, but there is a veil covering the unseen world, which not the strongest man or even the united strength of all the strongest men that ever lived could tear apart. Only faith fancy, poetry, love, romance, can push aside that, certain, that, that curtain and view the picture, the, su the supernal beauty and glory beyond. Is it all real? Ah, Virginia. In all this world, there is nothing else real and abiding. No Santa Claus? Thank God, he lives. And he lives forever. A thousand years from now, Virginia, nay, ten times ten thousand years from now, he will continue to make glad the heart of children and childhood. That is the greatest statement of all time, coming from uh, a, 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 you know a, a, an opinion writer. So let's switch into the Polar Express. Let me get in here. And we'll read the Polar Express together. The actual Polar Express book. See that? 
On Christmas Eve, many years ago, I lay quietly in my bed. I did not rustle the sheets. I breathed slowly and silently. I was listening for a sound. A sound a friend told me that I'd never hear. The ringing bells of Santa's sleigh. There is no Santa, my friend insisted, but I knew he was wrong. Late that night, I did hear sounds, though not of ringing bells. From outside came the sounds of a hissing steam and squeaking metal. I looked through my window and saw a train standing perfectly still in front of my house. It was wrapped in an open apron of steam. Snowflakes fell lightly around it. A conductor stood at the open door of one of the cars. He took a large pocket watch from his vest, then looked up at my window. I put on my slipper and robe. I tiptoed downstairs and out the door. All aboard, the conductor cried out. I ran up to him. Well, he said, are you coming? Where, I asked. Why, to the North Pole, of course, was his answer. This is the Polar Express. I took his outstretched hand and he pulled me aboard. The train was filled with other children, all in their pajamas and nightgowns. We sang Christmas carols and, and, and oh, okay, I'm sorry. We sang Christmas carols and ate candies with nougat centers as white as snow. We drank hot cocoa as thick and rich as melted chocolate bars. Outside, the lights of towns and villages flickered in the distance as the Polar Express went ever northward. Soon there were no more lights to be seen. We traveled through cold, dark forests where lean wolves and white-tailed rabbits, yeah, white-tailed rabbits hid from our train as it thundered through the quiet wilderness. We climbed mountains so high it seemed as if we would scrape the moon, but the Polar Express never slowed down. Faster and faster we ran along, rolling over peaks and through valleys like a car on a roller coaster. The mountains turned into hills. The hills snow-covered plains. We crossed a barren desert of ice, the great polar ice cap. Lights appeared in the distance. They looked like the lights of a strange ocean liner sailing on a frozen sea. There, the conductor said, is the North Pole. The North Pole. It was huge cities standing alone at the at the top of the world, filled with factories where every Christmas toy was made. At first we saw no elves. They are gathering in the center of the city, the conductor told us. That is where Santa will give the first gift of Christmas. Who receives the first gift, we all asked. The conductor answered, he will choose one of you. Look, shouted one of the children, the elves. Outside we saw hundreds of elves. As our train drew closer to the center of the North Pole, we slowed to a crawl. So crowded were the streets with Santa's helpers. When the Polar Express could go no farther, we stopped and the conductor led us outside. We passed through the crowd to the edge of a large open circle. In front of us stood Santa's sleigh. The reindeer were excited. They pranced and paced, ringing the silver bells that hung from their harnesses. It was a magical sound, 
like nothing I'd ever heard. Across the circle, the elves moved apart, and Santa Claus appeared. The elves cheered wildly. He marched over to us and, pointing at me, said, Let's have this fellow here. He jumped into his sleigh. The conductor handed me up. I sat on Santa's knee and asked, Now what would... I, I sat on Santa's knee and he asked, Now what would you like for Christmas? I knew that I could have any gift I could imagine. But the thing I wanted more for Christmas was not in Santa's giant bag. What I wanted more than anything was one silver bell from Santa's sleigh. When I asked, that when I asked him for it, Santa smiled. Then he gave me a hug and told me and, and told an elf to cut a bell from a ranger's harness. The elf tossed it up to Santa. He stood holding the bell high above him and called out, The first gift of Christmas. A clock struck midnight as the elves roared their approval. Santa handed the bell to me, and I put it in my bathroom pocket. The conductor helped me down from the sleigh. Santa shouted out to the reindeer names and cracked his whip. His team charged forward and climbed into the air. Santa circled once above and then disappeared into the cold, dark polar night. As soon as we were back inside the Polar Express, the other children asked to see the bell. I reached into my pocket, but the only thing I felt was a hole. I had lost the silver bell from Santa's sleigh. Let's hurry outside and look for it, one of the children said. But the train gave a sudden lurch and started moving. We were on our way home. It broke my heart to lose that bell. When the, when the train stopped, reached my house, I'm sorry about that, I sadly left the other children. I stood at my doorway and waved goodbye. The conductor said something from the, from the moving train, but I couldn't hear him. What? I yelled out. He cupped his hands around his mouth. Merry Christmas, he shouted. The Polar Express let out a loud blast from its whistle and sped away. On Christmas morning, my little sister Sarah and I opened our presents. When it looked as if everything had been unwrapped, Sarah found one small box behind the tree. It had my name on it. Inside was a silver bell. There was a note. Found this on the seat of my sleigh. Fix that hole in your pocket. Signed, Mr. C. I shook the bell. It made the most beautiful sound my sister and I had ever heard. But my mother said, oh, that's too bad. Yes, said my father. It's broken. When I'd shaken the bell, my parents had not heard the sound. At one time, most of my friends could hear the bell. But as years passed, it fell silent for all of them. Even Sarah found one Christmas that she could no longer hear its sweet sound. Though I've grown old, the bell still rings for me, as it does for all who truly believe. So that's what the actual book is, and it's a short little book compared to the act to the uh, movie itself. Let me prep up some stuff here, and then we'll move on to the next project. Okay, let me go in here. Okay. So, um, 
I guess everybody's hanging with their families, which is really cool. Let's see what I can do here. Trying to find my favorites. Looks like everything got moved. Somewhere everything got moved. Let me try this again. Maybe I went in the wrong internet. I have like several internet on here. There we go. Weird. Okay. Bookmarks. Okay. So I'm going to pull up my cell phone. And um, this poem I'm going to read you is something that I heard when I was a kid. It really impressed me because um, it's about cats. I'm not, at that time, I wasn't really a cat person. I'm a cat person now. But um, it impressed me because of the way it was written. And I know there's a famous uh, Christmas cat poem out there circulating about how Tabby got the, the M on its head from, from, from Mary in the manger. This is a similar story, yet it's different. Um, but it was enough to impress me. Like I said, it was enough to impress me as a kid. So I've carried it all these years, and, and it's, 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 it's written by someone who's anonymous. And it's disappeared off and on, like on the web. And I found it one time. One time I went, I found it. You know, once once the internet started up, back in the old days with AOL, I actually found the poem and uh, made note of it where it was. Kept it all these years. This year, went to find the poem. Gone. Can't find it at all. But I got lucky because I have friends with cats. So over the last couple of years, I kind of been moving the poem like on the Facebook and stuff, you know, for. Uh, my friends with cats. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get into Facebook right now and I'm going to pull the poem up because that's the way I found it was through my Facebook feed. So let me do this. And I shall pull it up. So be, bear with me. I have a stuffy nose today too. Let's see if I can find it. My post should be here somewhere. There we go. Okay, I'm going to try to enlarge this too because I'm a blind bat. So I'm going to read this. It's called The Legend of the First Christmas Cat. At midnight stroke on the first Christmas, half the world awoke. Then out of nest and lair, came thronging to Bethlehem the wordless folk. Hurried the beasts of the forest, the birds of the air, to pay the Lord their to, to pay the Lord their homage and his due. And cat came too. Mincing on delicate feet to see the child, but being shy and wild, approached, no nearer than the hearth, lay down and distant there. While the rest knelt in praise, the cat, by too much glory overcome, could not withdraw her gaze from the nativity. Could only stare through silted eyes as things of fur and feather, the deer beside the lion, the pheasant, the hare safe in the fox's paws, bent down together. Although their anthems lifted all around, she, in her throat, made only a trembling sound and could not bow her head. Yet, as the morning dawned, and one by one the other creatures fled, each to its own habitat, the eagle to his crag, and to his pond the otter, only cat remained beside the dying fire, unable to quit the place that was both crib and stable. 
Then Mary spoke aloud. Dear cat, she said, dear stiff-necked, proud, and obstinate beast, I bless you. From this hour, leave wilderness behind, because you stayed. Though none shall have the power to call you servant, yet the heart shall bind you forever to itself. Both fond and free, wherever man is, you shall also be. And many a family will smile to hear you singing when you settle. Household hosannas at a, like a pulsating kettle. Some winter night. Observe Cat now. His eyes will suddenly gleam yellow against the night. I'm sorry. Some winter night. Observe Cat now. Her eyes will suddenly gleam yellow against the light. Her body shudder in a jungle dream. Her claws unsheath their sharpness as she remembers old times, old barbarous customs, old Decembers, before she called the tribes of man her friend. Then the dream ends. And reassured, she curls herself along the floor and hums her warm domestic song. Author unknown. That's one of my most favorite poems, and uh, wanted to share that with you. But that is the legend of the Christmas cat. Let's see. Ah, that's the legend of the first Christmas cat. So now we're going to go back onto the tablet, and I'm going to read The Night Before Christmas, and that's going to close tonight off. It's going to be a short show. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and do that right now. "'Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house "'not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. "'The stockings were hung by the chimney with care "'in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. "'The children were nestled all snug in their beds "'while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. "'And Mama in her kerchief and I in my cap "'had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap. "'When out on the roof there arose such a clatter, "'I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter.' Away to the window, I flew like a flash, tore open the shutter, and threw up this ash. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave the luster of midday to objects below. When what to my wandering eye should appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. With a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles, his coursers they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donner and Blitzen, to the top of the porch, to the top of the wall. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up to the housetop the courses they flew, with a sleigh full of toys, and St. Nicholas too. And then, in a twinkling, I heard on the roof, the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around, down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. Ashes and soot, sorry. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes how they twinkled, his dimples how merry, his cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard on his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke it encircled his head like a wreath. 
He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work, and filled all the stockings and turned with a jerk. And laying his finger aside of his nose, and giving a nod up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim, ere he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night. The poem, originally titled A Visit from St. Nicholas, published anonymously on December 23, 1823, in Troy, New York, St. Sentinel newspaper. It wasn't until 1837 that Clement Char Clark Moore accepted credit. He reportedly wanted to keep his authorship secret initially because he was a professor and the piece wasn't considered scholarly work at the time of its writing. Moore is said to have based his vision of Santa Claus on both St. Nicholas and a local Dutch handyman. Oh, hang on, let me get a little bigger here. Okay, a local Dutch handyman where he lived in New York. Legend has it that the handyman operated a sleigh that took more home. Anyhow, that is my gift to you guys. Um, short read, 30 minutes, time to be on the air. But I want to wish you all a happy Christmas. And I hope everybody has a good time. Eat all that good food. Meet with your family. Get all those presents. Go to church. Do, you know Whatever it is you do with your family, but uh, have a happy holiday, and I will see you guys on Sunday. We will be reading for Mrs. Miracle, and uh, hopefully we can complete Mrs. Miracle Sunday, but if not, we'll go the following week. I'm, I'm good, you know, but I want to thank you guys for coming, and I want to tease Monday's guest because I forgot to do it yesterday. Um, his, it's going to be Jerry Murphy. I'm, our, our good friend Jerry Murphy is going to be on Monday with us, so thank you very much. I hope everybody has a good holiday. And I will see you on Sunday.